1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, May 14th. And we've got a good one for you. Alex Gruskin is joined by Colette Lewis to preview the NCAA Sweet 16 action down in Orlando. So, of course, when we're talking college tennis, Alex Gruskin's going to enjoy himself. If you didn't see this week, um, a huge week in the Cracked Interviews feed uh, because Gruskin was able to sit down with all head coaches of the 32 remaining teams um, in the NCAA draw. So, Been a ton of fun over the last few days, but now we get to actually preview the action, so we hope you enjoy. Quickly, we got to give a shout-out to our sponsors over at Midwest Sports. Their support is what allows us to do this podcast day in, day out, throughout the entire year, whether we're talking NCAA, WTA, ATP, doesn't matter. Um, They are there for us. So go over to MidwestSports.com and check out what they have to offer. Equipment, apparel, any gear you need, they've got you covered. Use our promo code on those sale items to earn an additional 15% off, and you won't be disappointed. Enjoy today's show.
2: Hey, Cracked fans. As winter slowly turns into spring and all of us look forward to getting back on the outdoor tennis courts, we here at Crack Rackets want to ensure that you listeners have everything you need to make sure your return to outdoor tennis is a successful one. That's where our friends at Gamma Sports come in. Now, if you need new strings, new grips, new court equipment, ball hoppers, machine tools and accessories, whatever it may be, our friends at Gamma have it all for you. They've also of course got dampeners, over grips replacement grips they've got it all and if you go to their website gammasports.com tennis right now you use our promo code crack 20 you'll get 20 percent off your order now i know gamma has a new string pattern in the queue called the react pro which all of you gamma string users will enjoy And even if you're not using gamma strings maybe now's the time to start but they've also got polyesters everything you could be looking for from a tennis equipment standpoint all in one location just go to gammasports.com slash tennis right now. Use that promo code crack 20 to get 20% off your order. Again, gamma slash tennis. Use that promo code crack 20 to get 20% off your order. Joining us on the podcast once again today, I think it's safe to say I can call her a regular contributor here. To our crack racket shows, of course, as always, I know I can refer to her as the GOAT, the greatest of all time. It's Colette Lewis. Colette, welcome back to the show. How are you doing this morning?
3: I'm doing good it's uh, great to be back
2: It is always a pleasure to have you I was going to throw into my intro one of two people alongside of my mother to listen to every NCAA women's interview but you know I didn't want to put that sort of pressure on you I have to say people are wondering why did I have the impetus to interview all 32 coaches you sent out a tweet of a photo of me not podcasting and so people think I don't do it all day and I was like <laughs> I have to remind everyone no 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 no, no. I spent all day podcasting. So hopefully I did that.
3: And I also want to shout out to Daniel because mm-hmm. I know that that's a tremendous amount of work on the other side as well. So good on him and anybody else at Cracked Rackets that, that got that together and got those out so timely. It's been really great.
2: It was everyone but Dalton. So I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> uh, Westoff doesn't get enough love. Imagine hearing my voice all day. You know, seeing my face on video, and then you walk out of where you do all of the editing, and I also live across the hall from you. Like that, that's Daniel Westoff's life. And it's, I just, I'm amazed by it every day. So I appreciate that shout out. I will be sure to send that along with him because God knows he tries to listen to as little of these podcasts as possible. <laughs> uh, but, you know, of course, with all of that in mind, this is my favorite week on the tennis calendar. NCAA round of 16s coming up. French Open looming in the background. Junior action galore as well. How are all things happening? Uh, you know, how are all things on ZooTennis.com?
3: Oh, they're they're going great. Yeah, it's been really fun. Um, really excited about about Sunday Sunday Monday. Uh, those are always big big days and uh, so much going on. So yeah, let's get to it.
2: Yeah, I stole your tweet as a joke in the podcast I did yesterday with Chris and Matt, we were going through the schedule. I was like, for the record, the only ones that'll start on time are the 10 a.m.s. I was like, let's just, let's be very right. clear. If if 7 p.m. starts at 7 p.m., something went horribly wrong with the day. <laughs> and so, yeah, that would not be a good thing. But yes, with that in mind, let's get into the action. 16 outstanding Division I college tennis matches planned for this weekend in Orlando. Let's start with the women's side. Because you look at the results we had... I don't want to say it went chalk because we did see a couple upsets, a couple of non-host seeds advance to the round of 16, but you look across the board at you know the non-host seeds that were able to do it. You had a Duke team beat Baylor. I know reading the tennis recruiting roundtable felt like all of us were picking Duke as one of our upsets we had circle. You look across the board elsewhere, Michigan knocks off LSU. That was a common uh, one. Texas A&M was the seed, but technically they win. Went to Northwestern, knocked off the Wildcats in Evanston. I think that was always a toss-up as well. The one that stands out, Khaled, are the USC Trojans. And Coach Allison Swain, the fact that she was able to go down to Gainesville, knock off Oklahoma and Audrey Cohen's team 4-3, very good Oklahoma team, then beat the Gators 4-1. I said it in the podcast, they were my MVPs of the opening weekend. I I imagine you feel somewhat similarly.
3: Yeah, I do. I I definitely think that was the biggest surprise um, of the weekend. Um, I was talking with someone else who when we were talking about this and saying, you know, there's going to be one that's going to just come out of the blue on us. And it's You know, we we never saw it coming and um, he nominated that one as being the one um, both in men's and women's that that really stood out primarily, I would say, because um, Allison didn't have her best team on Mm -hmm. the court. And we all know Florida uh, was not a strong Florida team this year, They're not their usual level, somewhat like Stanford to, to be quite honest. But um, yeah, that they were able to do that in Gainesville uh, you know, with, with the only healthy players that she had available to her what was really, really impressive and surprising.
2: Mm-hmm. First of all, the fact that you talk to other people hurts my feelings. That was all I did. Te- Once you said that, I was like, wait, what? Um, but no. Um, yeah, I-, I would echo everything you said. And I uh, talked about it with Coach Swain when we had her on the show. The fact that she was able to overcome dropping the doubles point against Oklahoma. To do that in an NCAA match, find four singles wins against every anyone is so t- uh, difficult to do. And then they did it the next day as well. And it's just like, you know, that's the sort of, or no, no, no. They screwed this up in the in the box score as well. I messed this up in the interview. They won the doubles point the second play, day. I was like, yeah, cool. something was wrong here. But to do that, you know, again, to follow up a 4-3 win, uh, to change how you get the win the next uh, day, that speaks to uh, the resilience of this USC roster. And they were round of 16 in 2019 as well. So it's a stage they are very familiar with. I talked about it with her. Selma Ewing has been excellent. This season at the number one singles position and there really is a trickle down effect right if you're fighting up top everyone else sort of feels it a little bit now you know in this coming matchup it's really really tough that in the matchup they have against NC State and I feel like last time you were on the show we didn't talk enough about this NC State team whose top four I like as much as any top four in the country
3: yeah they're they're very very good and the fact that um as simon said in the interview that they've been playing in the acc and they've gone to all sorts of places to play um, to take on the very best competition that that you could possibly face in a in a conference um, this year and had the success they did, uh, you know, it's just a testament. It's only going to help them, you know, going forward for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. And four, two over Iowa state, good performance from Iowa state who, uh, that's a good You know, good win for them Four two over South Carolina as well. Right. Wildcats, <laughs> uh, Wildcats, Wolfpack were tested, uh, early on in that opening weekend. So again, I, the question is, does USC have the goods to continue this streak? I, I think it gets really tough against NC State. I just think that strength up top and then, you know, 5-6 are a toss-up in those matches. Those are points probably USC has to have in this one. I just think NC State too strong in doubles, and if you have to get four singles against them, that's, that's a really tough ask.
3: Yeah, it is. it It is. But again, um, I didn't see their win over Florida coming. So mm-hmm. um, I, I guess I, the surprise would be a little bit tempered just in. You would start to say, oh, we've just underrated them. They played in a very tough conference as well. And um, they've really come together.
2: Mm-hmm. No, there's no denying that. And let's stick by the time frame. Other 10 a.m. match might be the match of the day. One of many, but Number three, Georgia. One loss on the season. You look at their individual statistics, you can't even take anything from it because, like, I think at most someone's lost like two or three times. And it's funny, I talked to Coach uh, Wallace and I was saying, you know, I think you've only finished five or six matches at number five singles. He's like, yeah, then we just play a little slower down there, uh, which makes sense because they're beating everyone. They're beating everyone badly. The only close matches they've really played uh, were against UNC at the beginning of the year. There's one more that I'm blanking out on right now, also came at the beginning of the year. But look, when you've got Navarro and Subash one and two, you can hang with anyone. And this Virginia team also went through an ACC schedule. You know, they just knocked off a good Tennessee team 4-2 in their region as well. A little upset alert here, Colette?
3: Uh I don't see it because as I, you know, as I said in the round table and in our last one, I, I just feel Georgia is one of the, the top mm-hmm. three teams in, in the country. Um, I think they're they're better at five and six. I, mm-hmm. I I just think that that they have players playing that low that were playing much higher two years ago in the final. So I think that tells you a lot about them. But am I excited to see Navarro and Jokic? Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. Yes, yeah, so. that's a
2: potential <laughs> NCA final preview.
3: Right. Exactly. So and yeah, I think it'll be a fun match. I, it really does depend on, a lot on the doubles, and Georgia is good in doubles. So, mm-hmm. um, But if Virginia sneaks that one out, you know, I, then the upset alert might be a little bit more um, uh, on my mind. But mm-hmm. I, I do like Georgia in that one.
2: That's the problem for this Virginia team is against these very, very, very you know elite of the elite teams. They probably have to take doubles 1-2. And that's really hard to do against Georgia. You know, Jokic and Ma to sweep them on its own, just in a vacuum, probably never going to happen. And uh, look, Virginia can do it. But as you mentioned, the depth three through six, there's a reason this Georgia team has only lost once. They are, I I watched them opening weekend because I, I, after you made the case for them, I was like, well, if Colette thinks it got to pay an eye on that, you know, keep an eye on them. They are that good. They are very 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 good and so again if they can get through that one easily, then throw out everything I said in the first podcast. They belong on the tier with the North Carolina's USC Pepperdines and Texases of the world and with Texas in mind let's move to the 10 a.m. Uh, 1 p.m. matches excuse me. Texas-Ohio State has become sneakily intriguing to me because after looking at the Texas numbers and hearing Coach Jaffe express this sentiment, uh, sentiment he's right. The Longhorns really haven't been tested since right. the National Indoors. I think they've, and I brought up the stat, they've dropped six individual points. Not like, oh, six duels. Not like, oh, they played a 4-3 match. No, they've lost six flights since the National Indoors Ohio State's going to test them everywhere. In particular, 4-6, through the strength of their lineup. They've got veterans there as well. It's a lot of freshmen for Texas playing in their first NCAA event. That said, on paper, we all know how good this Texas team can be. Your thoughts on this match, Collette?
3: Yeah, I was really interested in hearing what Howard had had to say, Um, I thought he was one of the one of the most candid people Mm -hmm. that they uh, coaches that you had. And it was very interesting that he said that they hadn't been tested. And that can be its own you know, its own problem I, I, mm-hmm. that he described himself as neurotic was also really <laughs> one of my favorites that he could figure out a way to be le- less than um, comfortable in that match. But, you know, he took a team at Texas A&M to the, to the NCAA finals. So he knows what kind of, what it takes. The question is um with that very young team does, you know, do they know what it takes? And I think they got a pretty good look at what it took um, against North Carolina in the in the indoor. So I do think that that helped them a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't see Ohio State giving them a, a, a big problem unless people just, you know, freeze.
2: Mm-hmm. Which is possible. There's no denying that, and I agree with you, and I think it helps that he was by far the most sunburnt of all of the coaches I spoke (laughs) with. I mean, when I tell you the look on Howard's face had the look of, I just spent eight hours roasting in the Florida heat, like, (laughs) understatement of the year, but look, I, I, I will admit, I... Whatever, Coach Schaub. I don't know what it was, but I, she might have been my favorite interview of all the interviews I did. And I, I just I believe in the energy around that Ohio State program. And you know, did they play the toughest schedule? No, but Michigan Northwestern are as good as any team in the Sweet 16, and they got to face them like four or five times collectively. So they've seen good tennis. But yeah, this Texas team, top to bottom, I saw them at the indoors. They smoked everyone until they played Carolina, and they almost smoked Carolina. They were 20 minutes away from doing so. And so, yeah, I agree. I just think Texas is too good everywhere. Um, but I do think Ohio State will test them. I I I think it, it may be a 4-0 sweep, but there may be a three-set singles win in that 4-0 equation for Texas. So just, you know, that that's definitely a match to keep your eye on. I mean, I don't think I have to make the sell for Florida State-Texas A&M. That's just a really fun match. Both teams can win in a bunch of different ways. Your thoughts on that one?
3: Yeah, I I, I am interested in seeing that one. I think uh, Texas A&M has been sort of under the radar, and it surprised me when, when you talked to Mark Um That he it appears that they did apply to host and were rejected, which I understand they don't have any indoor, but the men don't have any indoor either. (laughs) So I, you know, I I'm really shocked at that. I I cannot see why they were not approved um, to host, but good for them that they just put that chip on their shoulder and have been able to get through. and you know they're they're a very good team and to beat Northwestern um yeah, that's at home that that just showed how good they can be and what they can do. So um Florida State is is a tremendous team and they also played in that very very difficult ACC all year, had a great record, did very well, had a bad um ACC conference um, I mean, that was just not good, but if they can rebound from that, it should be a really good match. I, I you know, 7,10 is always one of those that's good. Mm-hmm. and I think in those two cases, those are pretty legitimate um, rankings. Not mm-hmm. we haven't had that throughout <laughs> throughout <laughs> the year. but I think that one is probably pretty close. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm looking forward to that.
2: It's a deep cut. Will hmm, I'm debating whether I should say a joke. I'm going to say the joke anyways, because it's a joke that three people will understand. Words matter, Colette, as That's you taken. know. They matter very, very much. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think uh, that one's a toss up in every sense of the word. Florida State's damn good. I, I said the number in the podcast 36 and 8 since the start of last season and I think I don't know if they I think they were number 2 last year in the rankings if memory serves me correctly. They played that yeah. really fun match against UNC before things shut down. Seems really good. They added to the to their roster as well, Julia Perone coming over from my Wolverine's top of the lineup. But yeah you know I doubted Am in the kickoff weekend and they proved me definitively wrong right. toss up in every sense of the word very much looking forward to that match and that's a fun one o'clock hour. the four o'clocks I mean some some appealing names, right Georgia Tech UCLA was my favorite match of the 2018 NCAA tournament those are two teams that know each other well and when you have Kenya Jones, you have Vicky Flores you always have a chance in every match you play. That said, Bolton, Forbes, Hart, Wolf, I, pick an a, I can pick their five and six and they'll be just fine. I, I just, the problem for Georgia Tech is, again, against anyone else that top two you love, but it's very similar to a Virginia Georgia situation. Three through six, even if the Bruins drop doubles, you probably like them at every spot.
3: Yeah, they they are very very good. Um, Cal got it done, so mm-hmm. it can be done, and I I do think that that Georgia Tech has a chance. They've been a little bit up and down, and I know Rodney said that there's been uh, mm-hmm. some injuries and some COVID things that they've they've had to deal with. And hopefully those are behind them, and every everything is is fine. But they they've had some you know really great wins and some really puzzling you know results. Wow. And so it, it kind of depends if they play their best. Though UCLA is going to have to fight like heck to win that match. I I really do believe that. Now if Georgia Tech you know throws in one of their eh, or UCLA <laughs> really steps it up, yeah. then. It may not be close, but um, I could see that one being very good.
2: Uh, I I really, again, I am not counting out Vicky Flores ever. And I think she's going to end up playing either, It is it going to be Bolton or Hart? We'll see. I hope it's Hart because that's a matchup between two seniors that just good luck getting either, tearing either one of them off the court. That's going to be outstanding. And Kenya Jones is one of like six people who can legitimately has the talent, the game to beat Abby Forbes. Right. But it's just everywhere else, like and again, it's just Georgia Tech's so young in the bottom of their lineup. This UCLA team, from Wolf down to you know whomever they choose to play at six, they've played in and you know NCAA matches. They've been here before, and so you know I think it was who was it? Did Golic play in the Georgia Tech match in 2018? I think she did, and so you know. I just it's hard to argue with that experience that depth I I love coach Harmon I was I not I love all the coaches but I was particularly fond of coach I was like uh we I was like there's an hour podcast here my friend just rest <laughs> assured we'll we will get back to it um they, but, they
3: didn't know that they were auditioning for, yeah. <laughs> for, that's what they were really
2: yeah, doing it, it, it was guest 32- spots
3: Thirty-two <laughs> auditions.
2: I've been looking for a co-host for years. Uh, <laughs> someone who can take like the Wednesday mini break off my hands. Um, but uh, yeah, well, Coach Harvin's in the pole position. There's no denying that. But I just I think UCLA is a little too much. I think they get over the hump here. I, I again, Georgia Tech's battle tested, but the Bruins are. They got the wake up call they needed from Cal. I, I think they advance. Should be a good match though. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, with that, let's move to our next four o'clock. The one that's going to hurt my feelings the most. Pepperdine taking on my Wolverines. For Pepperdine... 4-2 win over Stanford did not come easy. They dropped the doubles point, although having spoken with Coach Nilsson multiple times this season, I think he has said on the record, we can start down 1-0. That's fine. Let's just get to singles because I'm done with the doubles point. But obviously the reason you get to singles when you have Patch Kaleva and Czar, one uh two losses between the two of them, and then of course up top Leahy, Faila, Fakuda legitimately at number four singles. It's a scary sight. And you know, this Michigan team's really, really good. Good. They're young, but they've got some veterans mixed in as well. You know, they almost beat Stanford at last year's National Indoors. So they, they've they seen this Pepperdine team before as well. That was their last match at the end of 2019. But the Waves are really, really good, Collette.
3: Yeah, I and I think maybe even they've been a little bit of a disappointment this Mm -hmm. year, as good as they've been. I mean, I thought with that lineup, they would be sort of North Carolina like and just going everybody. Mm -hmm. But they had, you know, with Leahy not healthy, that that was obviously a big blow for them. And. Um, But, wow, I was impressed with Michigan. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, everybody sort of circled that one as, yeah, they could do it because Michigan was not properly ranked, um, probably should have hosted. But,, um, you know, the way they came back to win that, down three, one and then you know down in the last match and three sets everywhere. And that that was really impressive. Now, having a week off is probably good physically, but a little bit of that momentum might be lost. but but you know, should they win the doubles point and then kind of, you know, go up on some courts? um they they could put a scare into pepperdine i still do like pepperdine uh just from you know 3 to 5 probably <laughs> just as you know just throw one and two as as a split or whatever and then you you just like pepperdine to get get those other ones elsewhere so yeah i would never pe- pick against pepperdine but um you know i was very impressed with michigan last weekend
2: mm-hmm. michigan could very I'm expecting them to take the doubles point and take a 1-0 lead heading into singles. The problem is this Pepperdine team is so, so good at singles. And yeah, to your point, they haven't played their best match yet. They really haven't. And I think that's the scariest thing is what happens when all six are clicking on the same day. On that day, they can beat anyone. UCLA, North Carolina, Texas, Georgia. And we haven't seen it yet. I agree. I hope we don't see it against Michigan. Like I'm, it's fine with me if you want to delay it for a little bit longer. But I, the thing is, they cannot play their. It's very Baylor esque. They cannot play their best, and they can still find four points in so many different fashions. Pepperdine's the pick. But yeah, that that match again. 4 p.m. match should be very, very fun. And I might be on the broadcast for one of those two 4 p.m.s. I'm not exactly sure what my schedule is. They, I had to switch times. They sent me an email, and I definitely got the email. But I just haven't looked at any of my emails. Unless it's from an SID, I don't care about you right now. That includes <laughs> my parents, and they know that. Um, and so I have just I have to figure out what matches I'm calling, which ones I'm not. But certainly those will be fun. And then we get to our nightcaps. Uh, we talked about it in the moment. Uh, we now have that match come to fruition. North Carolina Cal is going to be a good match. Now, talking to every coach, m- the most notable thing that happened in all of my podcasts, in my opinion, was when Coach Harmon at the end goes. And I just want to be clear: North Carolina is very good. And I was just like, that was uh, that was a bad Harmon impression, by the way. But <laughs> I like I was it was notable because I didn't ask. And he just want you know, it's, it's worth noting. They're very good. And that's a sentiment you hear from a lot of people. But so is Cal. And, you know, again, they've got the depth as well. To have Anna Bright at six singles, you're just in every match you face. And now, obviously, for Carolina, when you've got either Tran or Crawley at six, you feel good about yourself. But, uh, self. but Cal can hang there. Giovara, on her best days, can beat anyone. Of course, she's got to go up against a fellow GOAT in Davatilla, so that's tough. Yeah. The problem is I mean, it's almost every match two through five. Like, you have to beat Graham, Mora, Scotty, and Jones. McKenna Jones, who is number one in the country for a year, played number like, and she's at five. Like, we've talked about this before. Right. It's just Carolina, they're really good.
3: Yeah, I forget who said who said it, but I had to laugh when they said, "Well, if if everybody could play eight, or if everybody were playing eight, then then we'd be really concerned." I think it might have been Amanda actually. Yeah. It's like. It's like yeah, but you only have to play six. So, uh, but yeah, they are just so scary when you think that Riley Tran is, is undefeated. Is that mm-hmm. right, Alex? And she mm-hmm. can't get in the lineup? Uh,
2: yeah, I think she's 12-0. and
3: I mean, that's just ridiculous.
2: is <laughs> 11-1.
3: It's like, she's like,
2: I only lost once. Don't hold that against... Like She's like, did you see the Georgia match? We were all
3: there. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, they they are a super team. Um, if, I I will have to say that this reminds me a little bit of when Georgia in 2007, the Georgia men, mm-hmm. um, w- once they uh, got to the final or maybe even, I don't know when it was that, but at some point during the NCAAs in Athens, that was all the talk. Is this one of the best college teams ever? Mm-hmm. And I, um, That's something that I think has to come up with UNC, but of course, it only gets validated if they win. Mm -hmm. But if they do win this, I mean, that conversation has to start, you know, after the semifinals at the very least. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know what you can say. I mean, I think Cal's good. I think they're they're playing their best tennis right now. I don't think they can they can beat North Carolina, but mm-hmm. um, strange things happen. Mm-hmm. Hopefully everybody's healthy for that match, and and it's competitive. Um, yeah.
2: No, it's the 7 p.m. So things will certainly be funky. It'll be that time of night. I feel bad. I'm like, there's, these aren't name drops. It's like I was talking to my next-door neighbor, and it's like, <laughs> really? Um, but talking to Coach Ashworth, I mean, cause we ta- he talked a little bit about the Stanford teams from 07, 08, 09, that range. And it's interesting. You could argue, as much as I love Sarah, Alexa, Cam, maybe at the top, it's not quite as good as the greatest of the greats. But, yeah, like four, five, six is ridiculous uh, for this Carolina team.
3: I I, inter- I was interested in what in mm-hmm. what he said because that was before my time I wasn't really that familiar with college tennis back then but I this is not in retrospect we're not looking at who ended up being top 100 mm-hmm. or anything like that that's not how it works it's it's and that's not what we were doing in Georgia in 2007 mm-hmm. we weren't saying oh John Isner's going to go on to be top mm-hmm. 10 in the in the world no one knew that then mm-hmm. we're just talking about you know one through six who is going to beat them and I can't remember how many points they lost it was yeah like 12
2: or something stupid I don't think
3: it was that many yeah like nine. yeah it was um you know throughout the year and Mm -hmm. so you know that's kind of what what Yeah, you can look in retrospect and that's how everybody does it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm saying that that right now, given what they've done the last two years and and you know, again, if they win this title, they have to be in that conversation.
2: I agree with you. I would say good luck beating Sarah Davatilla as a senior. I don't care what she does as of, you know, in her pro career. She's a fifth year senior. Good luck in that college tennis match and Right. It's funny. On the men's side, the Stanford team, right, where Alex Kim, future NCAA champions, playing five singles. I think it's like the 96 or '7 Stanford team. Right. that They dropped like four points or something just ludicrous during the season. Right. That's one that's always brought up. I say the best 21st century. We'll save this conversation for another time. The 2012 Trojans, when you have Gomez, Hanifman, Kiroz as your 4 5 six, You probably, and Daniel Wynn, who lost one NCAA match in four years at three. And Stevie (laughs) Johnson, the best college tennis player on the men's side of all time at one. And I love Ray Sarmiento, closest approximation to Roger Federer's forehand ever at two. That's (laughs) that's a team. Um, But no, I agree with you. The context of when you match up and the dominance of the season, they're special. I agree with you. And so that's why we're all excited for them. Now, I have to say, the match, it, it's not the most appealing on paper, but uh, just by name value, but UCF-Duke, that's an excellent match. Excellent match. And UCF was really, really good this year. And for them to get a 4-1 win over Miami of Florida, uh, to do it after dropping the doubles point as well, it's just, you know, I also, talking to Coach Kanyeko Kind of drank the Kool-Aid. Like, that was, again, of the interviews. It was a memorable one, which some of them were not. No, they were all memorable. And case coaches, listen, I swear you were all memorable. Except for the <laughs> one... One of them knows they weren't memorable. But that's that's a story for another time. Um, and I appreciated the apology afterwards. But UCF... Do, yeah, sorry. I, I haven't talked to someone who... I'm not, like, trying to be on my best behavior with in a long time. (laughs) And so I appreciate this, Collider. You're just a sounding board here. Um, But UCF-Duke. This Duke team has not played their best tennis all season. It looks like they're finally starting to. They get the win down in Baylor. Coach Ashworth talked about how important it was that Kelly Chen was the one delivering that three-set victory. This team made the semifinals the last time we were in Orlando, and there are a lot of familiar faces. You also add someone like Georgia Drummy, who has been so good this season for the Blue Devils. But this UCF team, one through six, they're going to scrap. They're going to claw. They can win in a lot of different ways. This is the one I think I'm least certain about of all of the matches because I do think, well, Florida State A&M, I, they're very similar matches to me. I think this one could go either way.
3: Yeah, that that's interesting. But I was really impressed by UCF's win over Miami. I thought yes. Miami was playing really well. And um, I I really – I mean – sure it was in orlando but that's not a crazy trip for miami so um i i was surprised at, at you know how they handled that i that one said four three to me all over it so uh the fact that they got out of that was with, with not a lot of you know drama i guess was um very impressive to me so yeah it depends on what duke shows up but um yeah if kelly can you know, can really hold down uh, that number one spot, they ha- they definitely have a good chance at it. Uh, they're not as strong at the bottom as, as they usually are over the years. So that's going to end up, you know, costing them if they do get through and have to play North Carolina. But um, that... <sighs> Boy, I, yeah, I have no idea who would even be favored in that match. I would probably give the nod to UCF because they're at home, mm-hmm. and hopefully they'll get some support, and, and that will help them. But, you know, Duke went into Baylor and, um, and got it done when, when everybody was focused on one match. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that that is a real toss-up. You,
2: you mentioned it. UCF's at home. That's the only distinguishing factor. Like, that right. that's the big thing. And, you know, Coach Kenyako was funny. He said, I'd rather play him at 1 p.m. And you can't blame him. You're the Orlando team. You're used to that heat. But it is right. a night match. This Duke team has played under the lights. And i, I it's a stupid thing, but I kind of like that. And I, I kind of like the fact that they're comfortable in Orlando, that Kelly Chen's not going to be afraid of the moment. And we saw her play such good tennis uh, in 2019, uh, down in Orlando. Yeah. But it's a pickup. It really is an either or affair. And again, uh, all eight of the round of 16 matches, everyone remaining in this women's event has the goods. And so it's just a matter of who plays their best tennis on any given day. But with that in mind, let's switch gears and talk about the men. And uh, as always, I did a fantastic time of budgeting my time, Colette. And so you know, I apologize here if I rapid fire a bit around. But, you know, there are. There are some notable matches. There are some less notable matches. I want to start with the super notable ones. Florida, Illinois. That's the one that's a lot of polarized takes. We in the Midwest have a lot of solidarity. We've seen the Illini play all season long. We know what they're capable of. Big Ten champions. Florida, you know, it's very similar to their 2019 season. Bad indoor run. Undefeated SEC conference play. Tripped up by Tennessee in the conference tournament. They're still the number one overall seed. Which way are you leaning in this one? It's tough.
3: It is tough. I'm probably gonna go with Florida, but I my confidence interval or whatever they say <laughs> yeah. about those things is not high. Um I think Illinois is really, really good. Um I think that they've they've come through. They have they have veterans that have played that that are very familiar with every kind of pressure situation you can be in they beat ohio state Uh, yes it was a you know third set tiebreaker and it was you know right down to the wire but uh yeah i really yeah (laughs) i mean for a one to 16 we know that and i'm sure you guys discuss this ad nauseum. Illinois is not the 16th best team in the country and it hasn't been all year. They proved that at the indoor. So it's all just, you know, ridiculous um, to have this in the round of 16. Mm -hmm. So it's really too bad. It's definitely a quarterfinal match. And, you know, you've, you've kind of rubbed off on me, your doubt of Florida. So (laughs) I've always liked them. Um, I love Brian Shelton. I don't, you know, Mm I don't know. <laughs> I hope it's a good match. I hope the Florida fans come out and give them some support. You know, the Illini will be there, you know, shouting there <laughs> all the time. So, yeah, that should be fun. Mm-hmm.
2: No, um, Now Well, A, I'm flattered, so thank you. B, um, yeah, I mean, the thing for Florida – Illinois is not your stand... They're not the 16th best. They're like 20th at best. Come on. We know that. But um, (laughs) the, the thing is, if Bicknell plays for Florida, the pathway for Illinois is just more narrow. Because usually for Illinois, their pathway to four runs through Zeke Clark. And he's lost once, but Bicknell hasn't lost. And just you can't take that for granted if you're Illinois. Now, if he doesn't play... The pathway becomes a little bit broader for Illinois. And I think they're probably the favorites in doubles entering this match. And I just, it's yeah. really hard to win four singles matches against anyone. That's why I lean towards Illinois because if they get doubles, Kova's two. And we know how, as good as Duarte is, Kova's been as sure of a point as you can find in college tennis this season. Monty Riffis is a toss up, Brown Andrade is a toss up no Bicknell, you probably lean on Zeke and then i'm just telling you no way cliff at 6 singles is really really good when you can get a 23 year old who's just a veteran of the you know f- played his 40 years of college tennis can put a million balls in the court physically just such a tough out that's why i lean towards illinois because i've seen the bottom of their lineup and hunter hack when he plays well that there's a reason he was one of the top freshmen in the country uh coming into this year and I just think they're better at five and six than people who don't see them every day realize. That's when uh, where a lot of their success has come. But that said, like if any team can find four singles wins or even steal the doubles point, it's Florida. And like it's just this is the match. That's why. That's why it's the prime time. That's why it's seven p.m. <laughs> so I agree with you. I told Matt and Chris I was like I'm on the broadcast, so I can't make any picks. I'm like I'm not making picks for any of them. And then I will tell listeners now. If you listen to the very end of our Great Shot podcast, I'm talking, like, hour 47 minute. I'm like, all right, if you made it here, here are my picks. And I just rapid fire through them quickly (laughs) under the bet that no one's going to listen. So, you know, just a little fun there. But, look, I mean, that's one. Like, that's probably, uh, you know, again, that's a great match. I, I call every rivalry the best rivalry in college tennis. When Virginia plays USC, it means something. And talking to Coach Pedroso, he was funny. He was like, I I think people only like to watch Brian and Peter get mad at each other. And that's a a fair point to Coach (laughs) Pedroso. But this rivalry still does mean something, particularly to college tennis fans. It's a toss-up. I mean, the UTRs are like .08 apart between the power sixes of these two teams, Colette. And just, I mean, top to bottom, I don't know which way to lean. What do you think?
3: uh I've always been pretty high on Virginia this year. Uh I they're on a, a roll. That's kind of, I don't know. I guess that's one of my priors is that sure. if you go through the ACC undefeated, you're probably pretty good. <laughs> I and, agree. And, and um they did that and did. with North Carolina in it. Um so yeah, I'm I'm going with Virginia. Mm-hmm. I I just they had a tough one with Stanford. There was no doubt about that. And they were at home. They needed, I think, some of that. Um, I think I think you saw maybe a little bit of the of the nerves, but Rodesh was amazing um mm-hmm. when he had to be. So uh yeah, that that might have been really good for them to really have to come through uh with all those close matches, third sets and all that stuff. So I like them. I, you know, Southern Cal is is good. Um, I I just, I just think Virginia has has proven um, during the regular season that that they're just really really good.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, my counter would be, in, I never have to counter a pro Virginia point. It doesn't feel good to do, but uh, USC is playing their best tennis right now watching them at that Pac-12 tournament that match they played against Arizona State was the best singles I've seen from them all season and they just have more experience than Virginia Cookerman, Smith, you know, uh they've been in NCAA events and so has Carl Soderland and a match that comes down in my opinion to Cookerman versus Carl that's a match I want to watch and yeah. That is going to be a fun one. That's the match that'll have us starting the nightcaps at 9 p.m. By the way, um, but right. yeah, that like right there, circle it up. They'll be and then Zeke Clark and Bicknell are going to be entering the third set, or like, and it's going to be midnight. And it's like everything else is finished. <laughs> like I'm telling you now, um, but this match is everything you want, and it's a quarterfinal match. It could be a semifinal match in some seasons. Both of these teams are that good.
3: Uh,
2: Uh, I'm hedging. I'm picking USC so that it's a win-win for me. If they win, I'm right. If they lose, Virginia wins, so I'm happy. Um, So I'll take USC. That sounds like bit, But, you know, the heir apparent to the smith boland rivalry is Rodidi Tucker. And that's got the potential for fireworks. And (laughs) if you remember that 2017 quarterfinal, I believe there was some leapfrogging that occurred on the court. Uh, Buckeyes unseeded. But we saw them flex their best stuff against TCU earlier—against uh, Wake Forest, excuse me, okay. in the round of 32. TCU is, is, is as tough as you're going to find, and I've said this at a point before. Their win, dropping the doubles point at Baylor, taking four singles matches, that's as good of a win as you're going to find from anyone this season. Your thoughts on this one, Colette?
3: Yeah, that that's going to be— really good. Um it should be the seven um, yeah. ten.
2: yeah, it feels like <laughs> that, a seven <laughs> ten.
3: And and those are always like so so mm-hmm. toss up. And yeah, Ohio State was totally impressive against Wake Forest. I mean, um yeah, McNally lost, but it was um it was a great match from the mm-hmm. Buckeyes. I mean they obviously were a little ticked off about about the uh, big ten they didn't have a whole lot of time to get that together and and after you know a pretty devastating loss and you know as i wrote on my blog you know kyle ceiling being able to come through mm-hmm. um that was really a nice redemption story that we all love i don't i haven't seen tcu that much um you know i know some of the players but not like the big 10 where i live and follow very closely so i but i know rodini's gonna have his hmm. team ready i know that they're good uh i know that they beat a very good arizona state team so yeah um <laughs> I, I don't know I just yeah. don't know <laughs> that one I, I'm sorry I don't if Ohio State plays like they did against wake they can beat anybody mm-hmm. and so um, yeah they can beat TCU I don't think anybody's is saying that um who should be favored in that one is probably TCU just because of the of the way they're seeing you know, the wins that they've gotten during the season, but that doesn't mean anything when it comes down to the round of 16 in Orlando.
2: No, I mean, look, the thing for the Buckeyes is you always like Cannon Kingsley. And then given their results, how can you not like JJ Tracy at six? He's lost once this season. And how can you not like Kyle Selig at five singles just on paper? And then it's just like, all right, we find one more. And this is what Ty Tucker does. So well, he skews the math in his favor you know, Chris called it what it was. A stack's a stack. But it worked. No one challenged you. You play within the rules, and the rules say this is the lineup he can play. The thing is for TCU, where you like them best is Fernley, Jerisek, Paralak, four, five, six. To have those three down there, you usually that's that's where they make their money. But against the Buckeyes, you can't do that. Right. But at the same time, like TCU can also win at five and six because they do have Jira second parallax. And so it's not a sure thing for Ohio state. And if Famba serves like he can serve, he wins it too. And like, uh oh, yeah, I agree. That's why I told them I wasn't going to make a pick. Cause I was like, I don't want to have to make a pick. Are you kidding me? Um, it's a great match. I just think up and down the board. And again, unfortunately, I have a flight to catch. And so I can't Man. keep you for too much longer. But just when you look at this men's round of 16, we've talked about this before. 13 teams, I think legitimately, that's rude to, the you're, people are going to ask who the other three are. I won't say them, but like, <laughs> I think legitimately you can make a case for 13 teams to win the national championship heading into this event. And that is not something we've been able to say. 15 years in college tennis, I don't know, something yeah. like that. And so just, again, curious how you're feeling, you know, what inklings you may have heading into the round of 16.
3: Well, I don't think I saw anything last weekend that, that kind of changed my mind that, that there's a, you know, I still like Baylor. I still mm-hmm. think that, that they look look to be great. I'm, you know, less certain about Florida, uh, than apparently the NCAA committee is. And <laughs> I – but, you know, Tennessee – no one talks about Tennessee. I They're know. really, really good. Mm-hmm. And would it surprise me if they came out of that that top bracket to the semis? No, it would not. Mm-hmm. And so, I yeah, I just think, you know, maybe chalk isn't, you know, very –
2: fun to pick exciting
3: or you know it's not gonna do anything but i didn't really see anything except for ohio state um over the over the weekend that that made me reassess anything i thought coming in um before um yeah ohio state is is definitely i think the wild card in in this on that whole um bottom half i don't know what's going to happen but it it should be um it should be really fun, and, like you said, um I think in retrospect, well, I'll look back if if you know like. Well, I know you've been covering your bases with USC for a while, but mm-hmm. should uh, should they make yeah. it run through it? I think we don't. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. You know, blah blah blah, and then we'll all say it. But yeah, I think that might be happen with anybody if North Carolina comes through, and you'll say, "Well, yeah, everybody knew before the season started that, yeah. that, that was how it is." So, yeah.
2: No, I mean. Even at this point, I've heard a convincing case made for Mississippi State to beat A&M. And, like, at this point, sure, why not? Why not? I I guess so. (laughs) Like, it's been that sort of year. But, you know, of course, one thing all of us can rely on, the steadiness of Zoo Tennis and all of your work, Colette. And, you know, I didn't say this at the top, but why do I do something like this? If Colette Lewis can post something on her website every day... I can interview 32 coaches it's wow. really not that hard so uh, as always you continue to be the motivation we are so grateful that you take the time I imagine you'll have your continuous uh continued coverage of all things NCAA throughout the week
3: I will um I got my credential from uh my virtual remote credential from <laughs> yes. the USTA so I hope to be uh, talking to some some people over the uh Sunday Monday and uh If there's any big, big upsets, hopefully we'll be able to talk to people and I look forward to your coverage. I I think it's gonna be really great that you're gonna be down there uh, telling us all about the love bugs and the airplanes. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and all that other stuff. So I yeah, think
2: every morning it. I'm just going to send out a plane going, woo. Like just each morning so everyone knows that it's starting. <laughs> hey,
3: new sound effect. New sound effect. <laughs> for Cracked Rackets. I love oh, it. You
2: yeah. should have heard yesterday because it was Stokowiak's birthday and Chris tried to do a fake birthday horn. And he was like, burr, burr, burr. And I was just like, uh, is this Blue's Clues? I was like, that's, that's a good one, Chris. Uh, so we'll have to leave that in. But no, again, I appreciate that. Yeah, very much looking forward. I actually am going from this podcast directly to my hazmat suit I'll be wearing for the next 10 days. They're just going to keep me in one big bubble that I just have to like push like a hamster to get around. They'll be like, hey guys, I'm going down to court 6. And it'll just be a, it'll be a delightful time, but it is always a pleasure to get to speak with you. I am sure we will be talking soon, but thank you as always for joining
3: us today. Thank you for having me, Alex. Of course.
1: Thanks for joining on today's edition of the Mini Break. Uh, We hope you are as excited about the NCAA Sweet 16 action as we are. Um, Gruskin down in Orlando throughout the week, so going to be some great content coming out just like there was over the last few days uh, as he had the chance to interview all of the head coaches of those remaining programs. Head on over to CrackRackets.com and find all 32 of those interviews um, if you haven't already because there's a ton of great content and some great insight from those coaches uh, if you haven't heard already. But for today's mini break thank you again have to give another shout out to our friends at midwest sports for supporting what we do day in day out and folks that's a break